Our This Week in XR podcast is sponsored by our friends at Sapper, the world's leading augmented reality platform and creative studio. With over 11 years of experience working with the world's biggest brands through Zapper Creative Studio. Zapper also has an award-winning web AR platform, Zapworks, that lets you create your own mobile AR magic. Finally, check out their Zap Box, the most affordable mixed reality headset on the planet. Start creating AR over at zap.works or talk to them about your next AR project at zapper.com. Good morning, everybody. It's Friday, September 30th. I'm Charlie Fink with Ted Chilowitz for This Week in XR. Um, our guest today is Amy LeMayer, a venture capitalist, managing partner of the Women's XR Fund. Uh, and she has made some terrific investments. She's a wonderful person. So we'll look forward to chatting with her in a few minutes. Let's get right to the news, Ted. Actually, not in my column today um, is layoffs and a hiring freeze at Meta. They've been mm. talking about doing this. NAP, of course, cut 20% of its workforce several weeks ago. And it looks like if we are not falling on tech times, they are acting like we are about to. Right. Well, and for those of us that have been in this business and other businesses related to all, all the time of entertainment, this is what, you know, if you, if you use it through the stock vernacular, this is cyclical, right? Yeah. Companies grow, they grow too big, they grow too fast, they try and take advantage of opportunities, they see the future, they staff up massively quickly, they try and deploy resources, they realize that the human equation does not let them deploy these resources as quickly as they need to, and then they start to pull back. So and this is these are ad-supported companies. And yeah. as somebody who was running an ad-supported company in 2008, uh, I can tell you the first thing that goes overboard when you feel like you're spending too much is advertising right. and marketing because it's easy to cut. Uh, the pain is not really felt immediately. Mm-hmm. And, and there's the economic fact that when times get tough or when people perspire perceive that they might be, uh, they pull back on spending. Uh, I suppose that will keep control over inflation, but it also uh, constrains all companies, especially companies dependent on advertising. Yeah. And I don't know if you agree with this or not, but I have this instinct, not based on fact, just based on gut instinct, that this downturn that the industry is feeling, that the sector is feeling, is going to actually be shorter term than other downturns have been in the past. I you know, I don't know, but I will say this about the stock market in general. People are yeah. freaking out that prices are where they were yeah. in 2020. So just yeah, to put exactly. things yeah. in perspective, yeah. well, I, I don't think in 2020, we were thinking, how long can this go on? We weren't thinking, uh, you know, about a recession. Well, we were thinking about a recession at that moment. I mean, I think the gov- government handled uh, COVID well from an economic standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people felt... Uh, like they had a lot of money during the pandemic, they were spending less, but there was not widespread panic as as there might have been. Right. Um, so anyway, let's get on to the news. Actually, some interesting good news this week. Our friends at Enreal launching the Enreal Air. It's yeah. available on Amazon. It's $399. I cannot wait to try this thing. Yeah, I've tested it a few times. Uh, it, it works well. It's a, it's a very simple device. It's basically a remote monitor for your face, right. like we've talked about many times. But I think at that price point and that, more importantly, that wide stream of mainstream availability via 
Amazon is going to increase sales. Like it's just, oh yeah, we should get one of these. It's 400 bucks. Let's learn a little bit about what mixed reality, pass-through mixed reality can be. So I, I'm well, excited. It's, it's a different take on smart glasses than we've seen from Snap uh, or from Meta. There are no outward facing cameras, yeah. uh, you know, no, you know, souped up um, sound close to your ears as, as Bose did or spatial audio. These are really meant for one thing. And I guess it's going to come down to a couple of things. One is, do people want screen replacement? That is not yet established. For a mobile device, though, particularly for gaming or consuming media, you can see it. So it hasn't caught on. It hasn't worked yet. But everybody keeps stepping up to the plate. I think the audio smart glasses and the terrible little cameras inside of them have limited utility, their trans transitory devices, but something yeah. that could take your mobile phone and give you, you know, a large screen, you know, they say it's 101 inches, uh, you know, the feeling that that the screen or the, uh, you know, expanded screen would be that big is kind of compelling, but so far, you know, uh, it hasn't caught on, but uh, it's yeah. been a while since somebody took a swing at this and $400, as you say, uh, makes it accessible. And again, if first adopters are using them and people see that, I think it could really accelerate things. Yeah, the one the one interesting thing that I, so I've tested them a few times. I like them. They they are they have a very simple directed use case, which I like because you know trying to build something for everything means you're sort of building everything for no one, right? <laughs> and, and when you build something that's just like this is a remote monitor, the quality of the visuals are really good. It's fairly lightweight. It's fairly simple. It's got a really good price point. Here's the one thing that I'm very curious from moving from prototype devices to actually shipping devices is regardless of whether the company realizes or not, depending on where they come from, they have built-in biases on how they create product, a product. So all of the devices from Enreal I've tested have always been a little troublesome on Western noses and Western faces mm -hmm. because they come from China. Mm -hmm. No knock, no criticism. They're just building things for themselves, right? right. So everyone you put on is a little well, the bit- Enreal, in, fair, in fairness, the Enreal was just a titch too heavy mm -hmm. um, to sit comfortably on the face. Right. Uh, they worked really hard on that. They made a lot of trade-offs. Um, I think they took the long view and said, we got to get something in the market. We know this isn't going to be our bestseller. We know in three years, we're going to be talking about a different kind of device, but they got started right. and uh, there continues to be a lot of interest around the world. Yeah. So I would say they were successful in that. I think um, they'll, they'll have a win if they just remember to put enough nose pieces for everybody. <laughs> well, this is supposed to be thing. super light. It's supposed to be super light, and that very light. really matters. The device is very, very light. Yes, and and screen resolution. It's great. It's it's very crystal clear on your face. Amazing, amazing. Well, good luck to them. It's a good company. Yeah, I'm fond of the founder. Yeah, we like Chi a lot. We're this still trying to get Chi on the show. Uh, let's move on. Lenovo launched a uh, mm -hmm. VR headset that looks very much like. Uh, the HCC Focus, yeah. uh, which uh, is for essentially remote collaboration, corporate offices, uh, IT loves it because they can manage it remotely and people don't have to tether it to their personal smartphone. Correct. So uh, we'll see, it's priced similar to the Pro and the Pico, 
Um, but, you know, Lenovo is an enterprise company. They're very focused on enterprise. And I guess the response to their Think Reality A3 smart glasses, which again, are a bit of a screen extender, but have more functionality than just that uh, and tethers to a PC. Right. And you know, uh, so this one is standalone. So, you know, the real winner is in all this is our friends at Qualcomm because they are yes. powering everybody's yes, version are. of VR these days, right? They, yes, they are. Um, does Magic Leap 2 use their chips? No, I don't think, I think they're the one, I think they're the one and whatever may be coming from Apple are the only two because Microsoft uses it for HoloLens. Um, certainly, you know, Meta uses it for their Quest and their new upcoming Quest. Um, the Lenovo uses it. Um, uh, the, their Lenovo Smart Glasses uses it. Uh, uh, what we just talked about, Unreal uses it. It's, it is pretty much the dominant chipset yeah. for that type of device. Yeah, I mean, and, they power the HoloLens too, let's not forget. Yeah, HoloLens, other than Magic Leap, I think. They're, yeah, they're much so uh, have you heard of a company called Hadian? They're no. based in the UK, they're a middleware company. For people who don't know what that means, it means the stuff in the middle <laughs> that Thanks, you Charlie. never see. <laughs> this one's a little inside baseball, but it's significant because its investors are Tencent and Epic Games, and they raised $35, $30 million, which is still a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but um, supposedly this is the company behind Minecraft. And you know, when we talk about a um, you know, massively multi- player real-time you know simultaneous uh metaverse uh it's going to be a long time before infrastructure will do those tricks hmm. uh, in the meantime it's going to take innovation on the hardware and on the cloud side and i think that's really what's interesting about this but do they give any details of what they actually do for minecraft because obviously microsoft owns minecraft so. well what they do is they distribute the load to huh. uh, and use local nodes um, to minimize latency and also stress on all the servers. So, uh, you know, something like that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's one of those dirty little secrets about the internet is when you're, especially if you're a gamer and using game instances, load balancing is a big deal, like because of the latency that moves yeah. around these big trunk lines. So uh, that's good. That's interesting. And, and of course, you know, uh, Epic really mixed up and interested in the metaverse. So yeah. uh, also significant. So uh, Walmart. Yeah. Walmart is in the metaverse actually yeah. on Roblox. Uh, and it's not just about shopping. They've got games. They've got, um, I guess, merch and NFTs and everything that, you know, you have <laughs> in the metaverse. And uh, I, I have no idea how much time people are going to spend in the Walmart verse, the Walverse. In wall in Walverse, but it does have the advantage of being free. Yeah. And, you know, on platforms like Roblox, the first thing people do is go looking for free stuff before they buy the Robux. So uh, maybe they'll uh, get some folks in there. You know, it's a different audience, right? It's, you know, they're, they're looking for the under 25 crap. Yeah, I think, I think the biggest takeaway for me is what companies large and small, and Walmart is a very, very large company, hundreds of thousands. Largest retailer in the world. Largest retailer in the world. Right. Um, if, if you think about it from the perspective of companies have learned from their first stab at coming too late to this thing called the internet, that they just want to make sure they're in the conversation. And it costs so little to actually deploy something these days because the advancements of game engines and technology that the mistake of not having some sort of presence 
in these worlds is, is a real miss, right? So they, there's enough people like us in those companies that say, we need to do this. And the executives say, why? And the answer is, why not, right? Yeah. We really just need to be there and we'll learn a few things along the way. And that's enough really for them. Yeah, well, again, that's sort of like, why did um, Oculus launch the go? Mm -hmm. Why not, right? So uh, Rec Room, uh, Unity is coming to Rec Room. Create Rec yeah. Room creators have been working in a bespoke game engine made just for Rec Room by Rec Room. And now they're opening it up so you can take the worlds you're building in Rec Room, import them into the Unity, add other assets, add textures, do all the things you really at this moment can't do on the Unity game platform and, and also on Horizons uh, and others. And uh, I think it's a brilliant use of Unity. And then you pop it right back into Rec Room, I think it's going to be, uh, we're going to start seeing a lot more interesting, complex, uh, and less uniform worlds uh, on Rec Room. So I love the way they're developing this platform. By the way, worlds you upload are available on all platforms. So when you upload it, you can explore it with a game. Uh, you can explore it with a game console. Yeah. I wonder if one of the big tech giants will make a play for Rec Room pretty soon, that it's getting to that point where you know, they're making all the right decisions. The Unity Play is very smart. It allows them to make more sophisticated graphics and grow the, grow the style of it to multiple styles. So you yeah. know, they can bring in more users. And the next step is here comes a big tech giant and say, okay, Rec Room's now ours. Yeah. That's well, I, I, maybe, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it would be a uh, pretty big multi-billion dollar. It would be a big deal, right. But there's only a few companies that can do that and you know, when you look at companies buying other companies for the low paltry price of 75 to 80 billion dollars sometimes you know these things are these things happen so it'll be interesting to see uh so uh tim cook uh was getting an honorary degree yeah. in italy last week and uh he he did a q and a with the student with the students and was asked about uh, AR and their upcoming AR device. And while he declined to speak about the device uh, and the timing specifically, he did say uh, something that we're always saying about smartphones, which is uh, someday you'll wonder how you lived without mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. right? I still have kids wondering how did their parents meet? How did they go out to dinner? Right. How did they have a date without a smartphone? Uh-huh. Yeah. And look, I think I think it's a pretty easy out for him. I think there's an obviousness to that statement. He's not really telling us anything we don't know. He's kind of he's doing our futurist is actually a pastist use case, right? Is he's just reflecting on the obvious, which is of course there are things that we use now that we can't even imagine that we could live without. And he's just extrapolating and saying AR is probably one of those things that at some point will be so robust and so intimate to everything that we do that we'll be like, yeah, remember we used to type on this thing, like you had to put paper in it and push the buttons and then you got one copy of it. And then if you know your dog ate it, that was a problem, right? So I think it's it's all sort of born of the same tree as, as a master of the obvious there. Well, I see Amy is here. So Good. let's bring her in and continue the conversation. Great. Good morning. Good to see you. Nice to see you both as well. Good to be here. How's the biz? How's the investment biz? It's very exciting. In fact, we're we're wiring money for our 13th investment today. Congratulations. Very exciting. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. So it's uh you know, it's been a slower summer than we originally anticipated. Uh, I think all investors were 
were a little bit slower. Um, you see statistics about that as well, but um, definitely picking up in, in September and we're seeing a lot of interesting startups out there. So for our listeners, give us a little background. There's some unique components and capabilities of your fund as compared to others. So you should give us a little taste of what you yeah, do. Your investment yeah, thesis, so to speak. For sure, for sure. So the WXR fund invests in virtual reality, augmented reality, and artificial intelligence, um, early stage startups that have at least one female in the founding team. And we invest across all uh, verticals and have investments in real estate and retail and education and media and entertainment and healthcare. Um, yeah, it's an exciting fund. Would you say it's difficult? I mean, you know, be very candid with us as you look through the landscape. Is it difficult to find startups in this sector that have women founders or co-founders or, you know, women involved at the early stages? Is it or is it relatively easy now? I'm curious. Yeah, it uh, it takes work. Um, it, it isn't uh, it, it isn't completely easy. That being said, because we're a such a specific niche, um, it, we're fortunate to get uh the pipeline from 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 a lot of other people because anytime someone thinks oh female founder in this space they think of our fund and mm. and so we're, we're really got, you got a leg up there yeah it's interesting we're really thankful for all the uh, all the support and allies that we have that that send folks our way. Um, <clears throat> I love that you invested in Scatter. Um, that's I guess Yasmin Elliott is the uh, female co-founder of this company, but they're the ones who have the volumetric um, photogrammetry, uh, I guess videogrammetry uh, camera that runs a uh, uh, system that runs through an SLR and a PC. I've always loved that. Yeah, it's more portable than something you know b bigger like a meta stage. Well, unlike MetaStage, you can shoot in the wild and people can walk around and they're not constrained. The, the trade-off is that, of course, it's more impressionistic. Yeah. Yeah. And what we're really excited to is the potential for real-time streaming, volumetric streaming, um, again, out in the wild. Yeah. But, uh, you know, a ways to get there, but we're working that direction. Well, they've, they've made some lovely experiences using the technology, mm -hmm. notably the 2017 um, subway installation at Tribeca, which unfortunately, because it's a installation, uh, not everyone could see it, but it was a VR experience that took place in a real subway car. Uh, yeah. The subway car is a set, of course, yeah. but you were a ghost and able to listen to what was in people's heads, which was just a crazy, lonely, compelling experience. Very interesting, yes. And, and they've made a, a couple of um, VR films, notably The Changing Same, uh, mm -hmm. which is, was at Tribeca in 2021 and is now available in the Oculus Store. Pro probably one of the best VR films that have been made. Yeah, Emmy nominated as well, so yeah. And, they, and, and of course they did the Zero Days VR documentary companion to the uh, documentary movie. Mm -hmm. Also, yeah, also free on Quest. Yes, it's true. So, so and, go ahead, Ted. So, so here's here's a little angle that I'm curious because uh, I was actually under a misconception other than recently when someone corrected me, and I'm curious how uh, you relate and reflect to this, both of you. Um, 
when you talk about gaming platforms and people on gaming platforms, I think people still have a conception, which I have now learned is in, in many ways a misconception, that boys, men, are much more into games than women, girls. Uh, and I was talking about Roblox the other day. Charlie and I talk about Roblox a lot on the podcast because obviously Roblox yes. is quite successful. And I was like, it's, it's mostly like young boys on Roblox. And someone said, actually, it's actually pretty even now. And I just, as you guys were talking, I just did a quick check. Today, 51% male, 44% female. That's so it's unprecedented. Almost unprecedented. Almost at parity, right? And I think that's really interesting. It's a little bit of an unknown sort of known fact that women are just as interested as in this stuff as men and girls, you know, young girls growing up. Um, so I'm curious if you have a perspective on that and that re reflects yeah. on your investment thesis. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I think what the research has found is that there that women are interested in different types of games, mm -hmm. right? And that's what you'll see. But with Roblox, what you're looking at is is creation and connection and 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 community. And I think that's appealing to both. Well, that's kind of new, right? Women really dominate a lot of the word games and puzzle games and things on mobile. Yeah. But to have them playing more kinetic action games uh, that is more typical of Roblox is, is definitely uh, something of a breakthrough. I mean, that percentage is extraordinary. I don't know uh, the gender difference in Fortnite, but it's got to be like yeah, we know there are definitely women playing in Fortnite. Right? I just yeah. you know I, Jordan Weissman is a famous game designer um, who created BattleTech and was one of the first create Xbox creative directors. Used to say, um, "Men just need a place; women need a reason." Um. <laughs> <laughs> Referring, of course, to gameplay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. But I'm curious, does that do those kind of discussions and statistics start to affect your investment thesis mm. that you look at, the things you would not maybe not invest in a year or a few years ago and are revisiting now? Absolutely, because we're always looking at what the market potential is and what the timing is, right? Particularly with emerging tech, timing is so um, uh, critical, right? What, you know, those companies next, next VR, next XR, you know, they started super early and yes, they did get acquired by Apple, but you know, what if they had started now? Well, mm. how would that be different? Would they have grown bigger, better? Um, you know, would they be getting the funding Amaze VR is getting today, right? So, so timing is just, I think, really important. And we're always taking a look at wh where the market is and how it's shifting. Is it, is it hard to find female founders? Um, you know, just... It has been, and it is, it is a concentrated effort, right? So certainly we get pitched and people approach us of all genders. And it, um, still, even though right on our first page, that's <laughs> women founders. Um, but, uh, you know, but like I was saying, because we're the only fund at the intersection of this space, we are this beacon for... Mm. Uh, you know, ever nearly all, it, I feel like almost all the time we know or have been introduced to so many female founders um, in, in this space. But but it takes, you know, it's like TJ Maxx, you're culling through all the stuff in order to find the gems. Um, now, are you looking for seed game. stage, series A? What is your- um, Yeah, we're very thesis. early. So mostly seed, we've done a few pre-seed um, investments. Uh, we're writing checks of 150 to 250. 
um, not normally leading, although we were co-leads for Obsess, um, the virtual stores with Neha Singh. Mm -hmm. uh, really excited about what that what's been going on there and the and the success and traction she's having, which is fun. And, um, and this may not be public, but do you have a do you have a size of your fund overall so people know kind of the the money that you're working with? Is that? Yeah, we have two more deals in our in our fund portfolio. So the size of the portfolio is five, so we'll do fifteen in total. We're saving a little bit for follow-ons. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So, what are the other? I know that you invested in Shapes XR last yes. year. Super interesting founder. Yes, yeah, Very yeah. I just saw Inga this week at the Metaverse Summit USA. Um, she's you know continuing to shape shapes. Uh, and I haven't tried the latest version, but I'm looking forward to jumping. Yeah, in we, we used it in my class. It's for prototyping um, experiences that you would make with the game engine. And mm -hmm. in our case, yeah. it was Unity. Um, and uh, several students just did their whole project. Right, you can actually do it. never actually went to Unity. Right. That's kind of what's interesting about these sort of low code or no code solutions is they're so powerful in and of themselves that, you know, and again, it's not always, and in many cases, it doesn't matter about the fidelity of the deliverable. It's about the gameplay and the, the use case. And you can build these things in these, you know, sort of bespoke build tools. I mean, again, look at Roblox. And it's on, it's on Quest and it's free. I think they get a lot of use by individual artists and people who are just, you know, playing around. So it's, you know, I mean, who doesn't love a free app? Yeah, and for anyone that's interested in doing development out there, I definitely recommend following them on Instagram because they put a lot of use cases and tips. Mm. They have a lot of training. Um, they're really trying to promote a nice development ecosystem um, for content creation, which I think is really important for this space right now. Has, has uh, for the companies that you've invested in so far, have you had any exits yet or any acquisitions or anything that is on the other side yet? Or are you still in? Not, yeah, not yet. Everyone's so everyone's still in, in the growth mode. Got it, good. So what, what have been your, um, do, do you think that the current economic uh, situation, which is, uh, I mean, Ted and I were just talking, I mean, as, as tragic as it sounds, the truth is the market is only down to where it was 18 months ago. So I wouldn't completely call the fire department right now, but other but the way companies are entrenching themselves, I think they certainly expect things to get worse before they get better. I would imagine that is affecting the venture environment. Do you think founders are are a little worried if they or if they need a new round or if they're uh, yeah. still looking? Is it yeah, get definitely tighter? seeing that for sure? Um, and most investors are counseling their portfolios to make sure that they've got enough runway just in, in case this, this takes a little bit longer. We're seeing way more bridge rounds than we were a year ago um, for that particular reason uh, in case growth is slower. But, but again, on the other side, and lots of statistics and stories out there, in down markets, you see the, the, those companies that really can make it through and shine. And so, you know, it's, it's an opportunity as well. Well, I think you also see these people who are leaving these big companies starting, they're yeah. being in a position to start things. So, uh, I mean, it's bad, obviously, for people to lose their jobs at Snap, but, you know, some talented people there who will do other things. That's what I was thinking too. It's again for as for as much as it might impact individuals, ultimately for the ecosystem, having this knowledge transfer uh, to other places, startups or or even other, um, you know, uh, other growing companies. I think it's a, it's ultimately a good thing. 
Amy, what did you do before you were a venture capitalist? We question. love to hear. We love to hear. We love to hear. You know, people's personal stories. So, yeah. I, I mean, people don't. You know, when they're an undergraduate in college, say, "I want to be a venture capitalist." It's true. Yeah. So way back in undergrad, I was um, in international relations and poli sci, French and Spanish. You know, uh, and 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 toyed with immigration law for a while, but that's a really hard space to be in. So shifted to um, a dual, you know, computer science, the internet was growing. So computer science, MBA degree at Boston University, started work for a company called Akamai Technologies. Oh, sure. Well, Helped build and scale yeah. the internet. So that was in 99. Did you know John Bishop there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's running Liberstream now. He is. Yeah. He is. Yeah. We're still, we are still in touch. Um, He's a great guy. Love him. He is. Uh, so most of the time, I started in engineering at Akamai, but most of the time I was doing M&A. So I got to work with him on, you know, he was doing some strategic stuff on the yeah. streaming side. Um, so uh, we did acquisitions, um, inc including Red Swoosh, which was led by Travis Kalanick. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, interesting space. Uh, loved it. Loved growing the internet and, and communicating, you know, connecting people and giving people information. That was really fun. But as it shifted to cybersecurity, that was just less interesting to me. So we were doing diligence at CES in 2016, and I saw the rift in the vibe. And I went, oh, that, like, that's how we're <laughs> going to communicate with each other. Wow, it's early. It's like building streaming networks in 2000. Like, no one's ready. Um, but I think I need to do that. So I shifted into um, just really diving in. I spent daily hours with Kent Buys Voices of VR podcast. Yes. And that's how I got up to speed on what's happening in, you know, in 2016. Uh, do, you remember the, everything. do you remember the first things that you did in VR that just amazed you that you're like, oh my gosh, yeah. this is going to be something. Tilt brush. Tilt brush. There you go. Very good. Right? Yeah. Someone Google Earth said, for me. What was it? Google Earth. Oh yeah. That's a good one. And yeah, Charlie, and you know, my story is I go so, back a generation before that with the Aladdin magic carpet VR. <laughs> oh, wow. That was my first moment. That's 20 years before Tilt Brush. So. Yeah, the, uh, the ocean one too. There was, I can't remember which, which ocean one it the was. Blue. Yeah, the blue. That it's our been around forever. They actually yeah. expanded it for a yeah. dreamscape uh, location-based VR. Yeah, when that giant whale swam in front of you and oh, its eye looked at you, you went, okay, this is going to be something. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I had to. It was it was obvious that it was the next thing. What was the first investment that you guys made at WXR Fund? I think it was Carrie Shaw as uh, the CEO of Embodied Labs. Uh, it was Embodied Labs AI. Am I remembering uh, that? Embodied Labs does uh, VR, um, and now they have a, a flat screen version as well. But um, teaching people how to care for the aging population. So it's for the caregivers of the aging population. It was either that or it was Cy and Alex from Absurd Joy. They were former Alchemy Labs, and then they they, they have a um, they have a tool now. It's a remote productivity tool called Tangle. It was one of the two. We did them both in the same same month. And my angel investments, my first angel investments tribe, the DJing and yeah, sure. was one yeah. of them. Um, and SBRF, so that was an exit that Sophia Dominguez, she ultimately went to SNAP. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's, what's, your, what's your take on SNAP's position these days? 
So I was glad to see that they did the um, the Black Founder Program. They announced that this week. So that was 120, or I can't remember how much the funding was, but they were doing 25 uh, creators and and small business folks to enable them for a year long project with funding um, to create. So nice to see that they're still doing some. Yeah, I mean, they're kind of an amazing side. thing to do given the circumstances. Yeah, yeah, and and the diversity side. So impressed with that. And I think at a Bloomberg conference this week one of the execs said something about 250 million people using AR um, these days. So, you know, even- you, they, uh, they mean mobile AR, obviously. Yeah, 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 yes, yeah. Which, you know, ultimately will be smart glasses once we actually finally get there. I think it's still early for that, even though we're seeing, you know, in real air. Yeah, we were just talking about that uh, while you were in the green room. I don't have room. the airs, but I have these that I'm doing some judging to, after you and I, after we meet today. We were <laughs> we were talking about the, I mean, the Enreal uh, light uh, yeah. is, is very much a first adopter uh, device. Oh, for sure. But the air, uh, I think, might have a chance. I mean, one of the problems with light was that, you know, the ergonomics were eh, so close, but not quite yeah but it sounds like the light i'm waiting for my demo unit is gonna um, potentially be uh, a breakthrough device right a different take uh than the ray-ban stories or you know the uh bows or the um amazon frames i hope so i hope so you know and you heard tim cook this week talking yes they are as well that's a, <laughs> that's a that lovely too. quote um, yeah. You know, in the in the future, people will wonder, will wonder how we lived without AR. Right. Uh, the isn't way that, that, isn't that what is, people say about smartphones today? What I for sure, <laughs> and what I say is, kids born today will wonder why we did things on a flat screen. Mm. Right. right? Very, At least I hope. Very possibly. Well, we're definitely living in a three D world, and that is going to come to our screens uh, in varying ways in the coming years. It's true. Well, I think that's a good way to wrap up today. Amy, it was lovely to see you. Thank you for nice joining to us today. You. Yeah, the last time I joined, I think, was early on when you- Oh, yeah, that was in 2020. First starting. Yeah, October yeah. 2020, I think. We have been going. We, Ted and I, have been getting together Friday mornings for, for several years now. Congratulations. It's our Metaverse coffee clutch we do. Thank you, exactly. And we just bring in our friends so that we could, yeah. you know, which was really super fun during the pandemic because- you, there was no serendipity, right? I didn't run into you at a conference. Sure. You know, we didn't end up, you know, sitting together, you know, uh, during, uh, you know, a uh, a conference session and all the ways that we typically interact throughout the years. So that yeah. that was a nice feature of it. And it's still nice to get together this way. So it is nice to see you both. Thank, thank you, Amy. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you next Friday.